Today joining us are two leading lights of the Chinese podcaster universe. Enzo, founder of Tuibo Julan, the podcast pick, a recommendation and analysis substack of the Chinese podcast ecosystem. And Taiwei Chen, a Beijing-based reporter, host of the Redirect podcast, and one of the co-founders of the absolutely fantastic Chaoyang Trap House substack, which is far cooler than anything you will ever see coming out of the China Talk <laughs> substack, sadly. But, you know, we, we do our best here. Enzo and Taiwei, welcome to China Talk. It's my pleasure to meet you. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Jordan. Enzo, let's start off with you. When did you first start listening to podcasts? Maybe 2018. So at that time, I'm really sad because I want to study at Hong Kong, but I am failed many times. So I just want to listen to podcasts to have a rest. So after maybe three months, I find I love listening to Chinese podcasts and I listen uh, more and more Chinese podcasts, maybe uh, three hours or four hours a day. So after that, I think a Chinese podcast is a great opportunity to help me see the, the great world. At that point in time, which were the most popular shows and what was the process where people found podcasts in the first place? I think maybe Hu Zou Hu Yo, Left and Right, uh, a cultural podcast. I think the first time I listened to a Chinese podcast is at Apple Podcasts. It's no more platform for me to listen in Chinese podcasts. Uh, and Taiwei, how about you? What was your first entree into the Mandarin language podcast universe? Oh, it's actually pretty similar to Enzo's. I also only got into Chinese podcasting back in 2018. And as I have written in our recent issue of Taoyang Trap House, in which I did a small article about Chinese podcasting scene, 2018 was a pretty eventful year for Chinese podcasts. And I actually started off by listening to some very newly started niche shows. And the show that got me into Chinese podcasts at all is the Loud Murmurs, Xiaosheng Xinhua show. It's fantastic. And you can actually see the hosts, the, the four absolutely amazing and talented hosts being very active on uh, Twitter and Weibo until one of them was banned from there forever. Yeah, so I was the follower of almost all of the four women back in 2018. And uh, I was deeply impressed by how witty and like funny they are and are usually insightful in a, a lot of like popular culture, US-China issues. And they really understand the intercultural stuff, the nuances of navigating the, the difference between US culture, US politics specifically, and Chinese culture. I really like these four people's personality. When they announce they're starting a podcast, like going to listen to that, is just my natural reaction. Yeah, and I've been a follower since they first started. And I first started listening on Apple Podcasts too, because I, using an Apple device, that's just the most convenient place, at least like for beginners at that time. And then I started to use Himalaya too, although I cannot say it's the best platform in the world because like, it's just, it, it's merged with so many different things. There's audiobooks, there's Zhishi Fei, which is this kind of, paying online classes sort of thing. Also some indie radios at that time. 
because like podcast wasn't even a thing, at least like not to the public knowledge by that time. Yeah, I also started to listen Hu Zhou Hu Yo left and right, which is started by two former culture journalists, I believe. It's a culture critique podcast, and there's also another one called Shengdong Zixi East to West. That's our English name. It's actually hosted by、uh, a bunch of then. U.S. correspondent of Chinese tech media, including Du Chen, and we later became friends. And Shi Tao, I think she she was the Silicon Valley correspondent of San Shiloku at that time. Actually, the the first few podcasts I listened to are all very has this like foreign influence. I podcasts was really. The place I go to to listen to some like firsthand knowledge and critique of those people that are so caught in the U.S. China dynamic. That are so in the center of that, and also some indie culture critique, including uh, 翻转电台 Flip Radio, because I'm a big philosophy nerd and philosophy minor student back in that time. Yeah, the host was Li Houchen. He's just a very colorful person. He's so opinionated, and I would say that's a rare scene. You don't see. Opinions like that, critiquing so many like major platforms and events in, ma- in, in mainstream Chinese media, you just do not see that kind of content anywhere but podcasts. Yeah, so that's how I, I like develop feelings for this medium、uh, compared、yeah. to the others. Yeah, it's interesting because you do see a lot of sort of Western backgrounds either having studied abroad or lived abroad in that first generation of shows. But it seems like when you get to 2020, there is more of a mainland resurgence and I guess a real flowering of the media. Enzo, what do you think in the past two years helped podcasts really gain momentum in China?、Uh, I think the exciting point is that the Chinese podcast ecosystem is growing. Up very fast、uh, last two years, both in Taiwan and mainland China. So at mainland China,、uh, Xiao Yuzhou has become a popular podcast platform, which is a platform many new audience、uh, listen to Chinese podcasts for the first time. And internet company like Tencent, Baidu, and Kuaishou also launched or test their own podcast platform. So I think all of the Platform is our benefit for Chinese podcast industrialization. In the other hand, I think the development of Chinese podcast ecosystem at Taiwan is growing faster than the Chinese podcast ecosystem at mainland China. Taiwei, can you talk a little bit about Xiao Yuzhou? How it's different from the way you would consume podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts? Xiao Yuzhou launched back in. 2020, they started their internal beta a little bit before that, but still, it the launch time of it really like parallels the the, the surge in number、um, of Chinese podcasts. As Enzo has mentioned, it, it it's really 2019 and especially 2020 when people are quarantined and stay indoors. <clears throat> it's really a time where both media professionals content. Creators or aspiring content creators and the big media platforms are trying to seek for a different path because the traditional way of Chinese media production just seems to be so in stagnation. So I've talked to some friends who who runs like a few WeChat public accounts, always in Guangzhou Hall. And they're just telling me how the entire platform of Weixin Gongzhuang Hao is just going down. Whether how hard they try, people are gradually drawn to to TikTok, to Kuaishou, to Bilibili, 
to these video platforms instead of WeChat public accounts. The, the tax format of things are, are going down as a medium overall because people are just spending more time in, in video. Then the problem becomes people still need insights and deeper analysis, commentary, content. But short video is just not a good format for doing that. So podcasts uh, with, with success in the West, pe people like Joe Rogan and American media success encourage a lot of Chinese platforms to also venture in. And Xiao Yuzhou first struck me as this very minimally designed app that is dedicated to podcasts. Because before that, podcasting is not a thing in public eyes. So Ximalaya, I've mentioned before, is so chaotic, so many different content all congregated into one platform. And a lot of people don't even know what a podcast is. And even when they listen to a podcast-like thing, they thought they're just listening to a random radio by some just random dude that like started on the internet. So Xiaoyuzhou <laughs> really did a really good job by introducing the concept of what a podcast is to the general public. I, I really like like how their interface is designed. So basically, they recommend three different episodes each and every day. And you can see the comments and how many people have listened to that. And it's an RSS feed-based platform, so you can subscribe to any of your favorite show on there. So it's very minimal. Before, if someone asked me, oh, what is podcast? Why are you podcasting? Why do we need this? Is it like radio? I would have to explain, but now I can say like, oh, just go to Xiao Yuzhou and see for yourself because they, they recommended the, the most quality made shows to the front page and really introduce um, these quality content to the general public. That made a lot of people realize there, there is an ecosystem here and then wanted to participate. Yeah. Trying to explain to people in China what a boke is and what I do all day recording in my dorm room at the time. And it was basically a foreign concept. I would pull out people's iPhones and show them this purple app and they'd be like, oh, I never had any idea what this was. Um, yes. And from it to go to this. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, from it to go to, and from it to go to that to being a word that's in the lexicon is really exciting. A few other parts of Xiaoyuzhou, which I think are just super exciting is the fact that the podcasts have it's like a youtube comment feed you can reference specific points in a podcast you can also see which sections of the show are more and less popular so if you want to listen to a two or three minute chunk of an hour-long show to see if it's interesting to you you can do that in a much more efficient way than you could seeing something on spotify or whatever which doesn't give you that information and there's also personal pages people have so it's really easy for me to add a friend on the app and see which podcasts they like and what they're following in order to school me up on what are the cool shows that my friends are listening to that i think is interesting so it's the the combination of that first page the hand-picked three shows a day alongside the ability to make it really easy for a friend to hold your hand and get you listening to the shows that they're listening to. I think it's just fantastic and it's a real shame that there's nothing like this in the West yet. You can mark the timestamp. Like I can comment to the thing the hosts are saying at like 24 minutes, 24 seconds, and then people can click on a timestamp to see what I'm commenting on. 
And I really like how they just do this diagram thing of like, where are people, which part of this podcast are people liking or commenting the most? It's really good because something I feel lacking about podcasts as a medium is that you cannot do a preview like you do、yeah. with books or or videos. When you read a book, you can you can flip through it and see. Oh, I want to see what's happening at chapter seventeen or at the end. I just want to like see spoil the the ending or see. Oh, how long is this drama gonna last in this novel, right? Or we, even when you're looking at a video, you can just just put your mouse on on the timeline and see what's going on in the next few forty minutes and decide if you're gonna continue watching. But podcast just doesn't really. Enables that because audio is not as intuitive as like a visual format, and I really like how the Sawi Zhou team is visualizing that, using that diagram showing like where the where the good parts, the the, the best bits. So I cannot miss that. I need to continue、uh, continue listening to like the juicy part. I want to tell the story of China Talk and Sawi Zhou. So the app basically picks every. Podcast from the universe onto their app, so I didn't submit the show. But once I downloaded Xiaoyu Zhou, in its first few months, there was not a ton of content moderation, and China Talk had three, four hundred subscribers, and there were a few dozen comments on the podcast. I recorded、uh, a show about a somewhat, I think it was a, a Xinjiang topic. Two weeks later, that show disappeared, and then. Uh, a week after that, the entire feed sadly was no longer discoverable on the app. I never registered myself as the host of it because I sort of knew that this was coming, and I wanted to be able to keep my account. So you、uh, marked yourself as China Talk Zhuqian. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's not in the system. Anyways, just like two days ago, I searched Zhongmei, so China U.S. on the app. Hoping that maybe I could find a show that was talking about sort of the diplomacy or whatever. That search came up with nothing. It's interesting the sort of story in the Chinese podcast ecosystem because for a long time, Apple Podcasts in China. Anything went right. There was no moderation whatsoever. And once once the medium got a little more attention, and I think it was 2019, you started seeing Apple paying attention to this and taking taking lots of shows off the platform. Even though you can still subscribe via RSS feed to basically any show. You want to talk a little bit about the arc of content moderation in the Chinese podcast universe? I think like one of the initial appealing part、uh, of podcasting is that so many. Journalists or opinion leaders got to voice whatever they wouldn't write for the media they work for, or just in the public social platform in this podcast episode, because they did it knowing that、uh, it wouldn't go under as having a censorship as most Chinese media go through, and also not a lot of people are gonna listen to that. But this has changed ever since podcast as a media has taken off. A little bit. So one of the key example I want to mention is China's landmark Me Too case, Xianzi versus Zhu Jing. And I was actually at the court reporting on that day last year. It was basically a formal CCTV intern accusing this household name, super big host, this Yangshi host and face of the CCTV of sexual harassment. Obviously, this、uh, became a really big thing, and the authority has been actively censoring. Just any discussion about that everywhere. And at the day the trial finally started, after two years, the news actually broke out. A lot of people show up at the 
at the Haidian People's Court to show their support for Xianzi, and it it was a pretty big rally. And considering Chinese people do not and have not really have this kind of gathering in maybe like more than ten twenty years in Beijing, so this is really big. It's a big thing. It got reported a lot on foreign media and. But it's getting a lot of censorship and content regulation on Chinese media. So on that day, I believe Xiao Yuzhou did a, a selection of like the best podcasts about feminism and Me Too movement. They did like a curated selection and put it put the banner on top in the front page of their app. So you click in that, you can see the editor's recommendation of this、uh, probably ten best podcasts on、uh, Me Too movement and. As a result, a few days later, all of the show in that list was taken down. So, yeah, it's like the, the authority didn't even notice that before they made it a list. So this was controversial because some would say it's like Xiao、uh, Yuzhou's、uh, promotion, and they got these shows banned for giving them spotlight. So yeah, I think that's an interesting case when it comes to how podcasts are being more、uh, limited in freedom when the medium overall is getting more popular and loved by more people. I I want to say something. So、uh, I know the cultural podcast named C plus Y New. So. They just wrapped out because they talk about COVID nineteen and criticize the government. So they they are wrapped out after one day. So I think the censorship on Chinese podcast is becoming、uh, no more normal as from that time. And, and so let's talk a little bit about your newsletter. So what prompted you to start it in the first place? And what do you think people are missing if they only use the Xiaoyuzhou recommendation feed to find new shows, as opposed to reading what you pick out every week or so? I start my newsletter at last year, maybe October. There are several reasons why I start this newsletter. First and foremost, as I said before, I love listening Chinese podcasts, which is an important part of my routine life. Second, I used to work for Chinese podcast company for almost a year, writing podcast industry news, in-depth reports, and podcast episode recommendation. It's part of my work before, and I would I would read Nick Quine's Hot Pot and on weekends. So after I quit my job for for rest and then become a freelancer, I want to. Continue to write something about Chinese podcast. So I intimate Nick Quan and created this newsletter. Table Zhulan,、uh, the podcast pick is a newsletter about Chinese podcast. I recommend many Chinese podcast shows worth listening to. I think when many audience use Xiao Yuzhou to listening Chinese podcast, they really miss many. Great Taiwanese podcast shows because there are censorship on Xiao Yuzhou, so almost all of the Taiwanese podcast shows cannot be listened on Xiao Yuzhou. But if you want to more Chinese podcast without censorship, I think my newsletter is a great opportunity for these people. 
because I would recommend many Taiwanese podcast shows. Just to be clear, everyone, if you go to enzochen.substack.com, Enzo like Enzo Ferrari, I assume, um, uh, .substack.com, uh, you can both subscribe to Enzo's newsletter as well as find the RSS feed where he posts his uh, recommendations. So, so Enzo, let's come back to the Taiwanese podcast ecosystem. Which are some of your favorite shows from, from that universe? I think I have two. The first one is Drink with Mario. It's one of the first Chinese podcasts in Taiwan hosted by Mario, the co-founder of the news media named The News Lens and has six seasons so far featuring guests who are mostly celebrities from various fields in Taiwan. As the name suggests, the podcast once had a season recorded in a bar in Taiwan, Mario and his guests having a good conversation they are drinking. So what the guests like to drink and under what circumstance they would drink is a question often mentioned in the show. For me, it's like a colorful egg. Most of episodes are around one hour and 30 minutes long, with the exception of the spring mini season where Mario tried to invite some ordinary people to talk about their life experience. The show is short, but I think it's full of real power. The other show is The Real Story. It's a collaboration between Taiwan's non-profit online investigative media named The Reporter and the Taiwanese podcast platform Sound On. Their first episode features an in-depth investigative report on the drug chain that originates in Taiwan, so in which the reporters and managing editors share their six-month investigation across three countries and the behind-scenes stories that were not featured in the report. So these two shows my favorite Taiwanese-Chinese podcast shows. Yeah. Taiwei, any reflections on your listening experience of, of Taiwanese shows? I actually haven't listened to that much Taiwanese podcast. So yeah, that's one of the reasons I have to subscribe to Endo's newsletter. And I have listened to one show called Kezi Daodu, though I don't actually know its English name. Does it have one? In- I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, Daodu. They're like playing a pun here. Daodu means like a guide. It's like a reading guide, but also Dao. They changed the Dao from like Taiwan Island to the island Dao. Yeah. So it's like a Taiwanese take technology there's upon the name and the, the, the host they are pretty knowledgeable in their in their stuff I, I started listening to the podcast because like then I was also producing a Chinese tech podcast called Tech Bus China which is also part of SubChina Seneca Podcast Network along with a China Talk yeah, at the time. So I really tried to listen to more industry podcasts from the US and Taiwan, but I was a lay woman in this. Yeah. And I think Enzo's podcast pick uh, newsletter was pretty great because like, it, it really has that personal 
touch. It has that first personal first person uh, narrative of how he had discovered a more interesting content, why he likes these stuff. And what are the new insights and reflections he's having by like just meeting different friends? And I especially like how in the recent issue and introduced like and so basically oh that's like Robin's words right? And so published this um, article of her his new friend Robin, which is also a podcast lover. And I just found out like her journey of listening to podcasts was like so similar to mine. Yeah, so that that was a really good read for me. I think Xiao Yu Zhou's podcast pick recommendation was not good enough, and it's getting a lot of criticism recently. Partly because when Xiao Yu Zhou first started, the Chinese podcasting system ecosystem was like way sim- more simple than um, it is now. So three recommendations just doesn't seem enough right now. Especially when there's so many emerging shows, and they have the sole focus on the already established, already popular shows. So I feel like they are not like surprising new shows, but the the Saoirejo editors because they manually pick the shows. It's not based on algorithm or anything. So it feels like they really have their own niche. They have a more Big city, young people, very literate and middle class sort of perspective in、yeah. how they pick. They have this bias going on. A lot of people have been criticizing that, not just me, on how they select that three podcasts. And so, a lot of people accuse Xiao Yuzhou of the quote unquote gentrification of like Chinese podcasts. And I think that point is not entirely invalid. Because like there there is a bias in that three podcast episode selection, and this has going on for um a long time now. So we actually are in a desperate need of some new refreshing perspectives and different viewpoints. Jordan, I、uh, I want to talk about more about the differences between Chinese. Shows and Taiwanese shows. So, from my perspective, Taiwanese shows have more cultural diversity than Chinese shows. Firstly, Taiwan has real free speech, so their podcasters can express what they really like and interested. From politics to sex, from culture to discrimination. Secondly, I think many Taiwanese shows are produced professionally because there are many. Public and commercial media's have launched their own daily news or news reporting podcasts. Like I said before, the real story. Ah,、uh, Taiwan really have several major podcast producers. Some of them are came from radio or television industry in Taiwan. That's why I want to recommend more Taiwanese shows to Chinese podcast listeners. So Taiwan, of course, you are a host yourself. I'd be remiss in not allowing you to introduce your show. Talk a little bit about why you started the Redirect Podcast and what sort of、uh, stuff you talk about. I I started my own podcast. It's called Dingsang Tiaojuan. English name Redirect. Not so long ago, actually, I I want to start a podcast because I've always been a fan of popular culture critique. Sort of podcast, and in my current job as a freelance writer, I the the, the beat I really focus on is internet culture and their intersections. And although I love so many culture critique shows, I, I do see a lack in the voices that are slightly younger, more internet focused. I'm I'm a Gen Z myself, so I do think Gen Z see the world slightly. 
different than the former generations because internet has played so important a part in、uh, the process of our, our childhood and teenage years, and also now the online communities we are part of. And the online phenomena, some YouTube, the memes, Weibo, and the, the internet trends, the digital lifestyles are now also part of the, the movement of like how internet and new culture is changing people's lives. So I want to lean a little bit towards tech in my culture critique, and also have a fresher, younger, more. Intercultural perspectives. So, in the first episode, we talk about the the famous YouTuber Uncle Roger. It's a character played by、uh, a Malaysian comedian. So he basically got his fame for、uh, shitting on white chefs, how they appropriate Chinese culture and cook egg fried rice, which is a staple Chinese dish, in their quote unquote wrong way. I discussed that and the Asian identity, the difference between Asian Americans, like the Chinese people, how、uh, the idea of being Chinese is different, like around the world. And in the second episode, I discussed、uh, the platform Bilibili, which has become such a place, such an important place for young people. It's the place where so many young new creators got their fame,、uh, really just unleash their originality. And it has like this specific function on the chain of creating memes and viral internet jokes. But as it、um, went public on Nasdaq back in 2018, and is intentionally trying to go more mainstream, there's also a lot of conflicts, interesting,、uh, paradoxical new happenings on this platform. So we try to discuss that in episode two. Yeah, Ch- Chinese podcasting scene has been fascinating in recent years. Like you really see these. New shows popping up. The old shows just continue to be finer. Other other important shows I would recommend. There's School Chef M, which is a storytelling podcast about real life people. There's also Suzy Bordeaux. They they used to be called Surplus Value, and after they got like a famous、uh, historian Luo Xing on their show to talk about the coronavirus and how during the time we're like. Chinese government is heavily criti- criticized for not doing well enough. Their show blew up and then got taken down, so they changed their name to Suizi Bodong. But the show is pretty solid. They they put out content very frequently about the trending cultural and social issues. I have. I, I wanted to circle back to when Taiwei was talking about. How many of the mainland shows are sort of big city, foreign educated, talking about books and and philosophy and stuff like that? How much of that do you think is a reflection of the listeners or the creators? And Enzo, do you see any sort of like sprouts of more diverse Chinese voices coming on for mainland shows as well? That like stereotype of the the listenership of Chinese podcasts are I would say is mainly correct because the participators at least earlier participators in Chinese podcasting scene are overwhelmingly highly educated first year city younger pe- people who are capable of actively looking and searching for the information they want. Uh, on internet and just overall has has a better media literacy than like possibly other medium and platforms like short video and stuff, but also not all shows are like this. One thing I find interesting 
about Chinese podcasts is that when you actually go on Apple Podcasts, of course, like China store, and see what are the trending shows are, the first, second ones are usually Guo Degang Xiangsheng, Xiangsheng, or Shenye Qinggan Diantai, which is like midnight relationship talk. I wouldn't call those shows like that. Kind of highly educated, elite, literate people only shows that we we talked about, and also Himalaya. If you go to Himalaya and see what are trending there, it's mind blowing. It's just so many Pingshu Xiangsheng, which are like older, just Chinese traditional storytelling formats. So many people are still enjoying those, and I do think that is a huge market potential here for podcasts, and also. Uh, a lot of other people are are not going by the critique heavy, educated, and intellectual route, uh, to Boko Gong Show, which is a Beijing local podcast network. They actually put out pretty hangout, chatty shows, and they're very popular. They have their audience too. So I think it's important noting that not all shows are like very intellectual, critique heavy, and obviously some newly funded ones, especially like recent ones. It's just got way more diverse in the voices it represents. I think there are three types of many types of Chinese podcasts that mainly in China, like. Comedy or talk show, cultural interview, and the storytelling shows like Goose FM. Beside of these three types, I don't see more diversity. Speaking of all the random stuff you can find on Shimalaya,、uh, I was just reading the new Journey to the West translation by Julia Lovell, and、uh, realized I'd never engaged with a lot of、uh, uh, COG. Mandarin language content, and there was not a ton on、uh, Xiaoyuzhou. But when I redownloaded、uh, Himalaya,、um, there was basically COG content for all levels of Chinese language understanding. So you can listen to like the children's version, and then like the middle schooler version, and then like the adult version of different people telling the story. So highly recommend if folks maybe find the content on Xiaoyuzhou a little too difficult for where their Chinese is to download Himalaya and check out some of their children's. Shows offerings. There's like an enormous range of everything from history to science to the four classics of Chinese literature, and basically anything you could possibly come up with of yes, Chinese、yes. parents wanting their kids to listen to. You know, I'm pretty sure after a year or two of Chinese study, you can handle the six-year-old content, which has pretty high production values, to be honest. So don't don't entirely write Shimalaya off, even though we've been trashing it a little bit on this show. It's not true that there aren't diverse, just like lower bro content in Chinese audio content scene. There actually are. A ton. There are tons of shows, Shimalaya, that you just mentioned. But like the thing is that I think Chinese people are leaning a little bit towards just not calling these shows podcasts when they're not elite enough. I feel、yeah. like podcast is a higher brow word. Like that, the word itself implies. Wow, it's like this new and fancy thing. And if you are doing like an online radio show of like you. Reading just funny jokes that that doesn't deserve to be called a podcast, which is problematic. Like we we need constant redefining how podcast the word like 播客 should be used because this word is so new to the general audience. Some of my relatives, they're like, "What do you do? Are you still doing your radio thing?" They they think I'm a radio host. I'm like, no, but whatever. Enzo and Taiwei, thanks so much for being a part of China Talk. 
脑海里都是你，控制不住自己，要怎么坦白？你让我无法去否认，我对你的爱全部都是你，脑海里都是你。My love， 对你的思念伴随每次呼吸。想摆脱这讨厌的距离，别放慢的时间，在你没发觉的时候都看你一眼。说了这么多，希望你能懂。下面这些话我在你耳边说，全部都是你，脑海里都是你，控制不住自己，要怎么坦白？你让我无法去否认。对你的爱，全部都是你，脑海里都是你。只怪我没能早点认识你，这是不是还不能问自己？最笨的享受活在旧世纪，我这个逃避是算怎么又是你？ Ooh, my baby， 想要做你背诵需要你的点头。以前的回眸把我心给牵走，爱开始追踪，希望你会懂。你又说你的出现让我体验什么叫相似的痛苦。飞到在里还遇到你，为什么突然会变得没用处？早已经没什么定力，不停的翻看着我们的信息，没想到我也会有这般经历，把思念都写进了韵律，像印记在心里，像木马开始欢叫，不敢和你开玩笑，没你消息不烦躁。I'm falling love， 应该和谁去请教？思念是一种病，那我是重症病。好 ，My love。我真的脑海里面都是你，逐渐沦陷如何救自己？辗转反侧如何缩短你我距离？桥面我说 I do， 我真的在乎，在乎你每个表情和说话声调，猜测你是开心是郁闷是烦恼，你笑得轻松，我心却紧绷。听我说，都是你，脑海里都是你，控制不住自己，要怎么谈？